Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of March 3rd, 2022, including Fallout New Vegas 2 is reportedly in early stages of development, EA CEO drops some massive news regarding the future of the FIFA brand, Valve's head speaks on the potential of bringing Game Pass to Steam, and more. A show that's all about food and eating shit and talking about junk food. I, you, you would think that like the official food of the Xbox on podcast would be something absurd like Taco Bell or pizza because it's all we ever talk about. But I've noticed that quite often the the food I eat before I prepare for the show every Wednesday is always like a chicken salad. It's kind of it's kind of disappointing to be honest. Like this is maybe the behind the scenes look you don't want to have of Xbox on, but you know, Wednesdays, I'm always like coming home from work. I'm kind of like in a rush cause got to get home from work, get ready and then record the show. Cause I'm going to be up late working on it. So it's like this whole, like there's like this sequence of events, certain things I need to have done. You know, it's like, I need to be recording no later than six 30 PM. It's, it's a whole thing. And I got a schedule. It's a routine. It's great. And so I always have to, you know, have something quick and easy for dinner. And more often than not, that, that usually results in me like getting some chicken breast, getting some salad mix, throwing the two together, boom, there's your pre-podcast meal. And I just feel like I'm a little bit of a hack by getting up here and preaching in front of you guys every week saying, you know, oh, I tried this at Taco Bell this week. Oh, you know, this is the best place at Disney World to get, you know, fish sticks or, or mozzarella sticks or some kind of food in the form of a stick. And and, and then really when it when all is said and done, you know, I'm, I, I'm fueling myself up to tell you about this food with none other than a salad. And so I just feel like I got to come clean on that a little bit maybe. Maybe it's time for me to atone for my sins, and I don't know what 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 is what would be an appropriate punishment for that. I have to go eat ketchup or something. No, never. Anyway, welcome to episode 143 of the Xbox On podcast. Can you believe they still haven't shut me down after 143 of these bad boys? That's hey, that's that's the benefit of being uh, being on the internet is you can just keep talking. And no one has to shut you down if no one's listening. So there, there's that. Well, welcome once again, as always, guys. Now, I feel like I'm always, I always do a little bit of a bad job with easing into the show. How do I begin? What do we want to talk about? Let's not get straight into the news, okay? But, you know, like, what do we do? How do we ease ourselves in? Well, I don't know how to do that. I don't know the answer. If you have an answer, write in. Let me know. But I want to start this week with our corrections, our amusements, our, our stories of mild amusement and uh, yeah, we, we actually have a little bit of everything. We have updates, we have stories of mild amusement, and we have corrections. So I have the trifecta here to open the show up with. So not only is this unnamed category, the uh, segment of the show, uh, appropriately named for once, but uh, shut up, listen. So I feel like it would be, we're not going to talk, you know, world news and politics on the show because... This is a show about Xbox. I'm not qualified to talk about pretty much anything other than uh, food that contains ranch dressing. I, you know, I'm not going to get all high and mighty about what's going on in the world. But obviously, if you're a human being with a pulse, you probably are aware of 
the horrific events tra- transpiring right now in the Ukraine with uh, Vladimir Putin being an actual human bag of shit and uh, you know basically you know starting a war where one obviously didn't need to have been started. So we're we're in this predicament. So I I, I bring this up for two reasons, not because uh, not because you know it's it's related to the next Halo Infinite update or anything like that, but because one. Obviously, Xbox on not well. I shouldn't say obviously. I'm sure most people don't even know anyone listens to the show. But Xbox on, believe it or not, does reach a global audience. You know how how big that global audience is. You know whatever. That's for me to know. And you shut the fuck up. But believe it or not, the the statistics show that there are people in Russia, there are people in Ukraine, there are people all over the world that listen to Xbox on. And I, I just want to say, if you are one of the handful of people that you know exist in that corner of the world and and you listen to this show, well, one, you might not be listening right now, but it, just in case you are, I just want to let you know, obviously, you know, th- these words might sound hollow considering this is probably all you've seen on the internet the past week, but this is a fucking mind-blowing time um, for you guys, and I, I, I can't even begin to fathom how terrifying it must be to exist in a time like this. Like, I, I can't even imagine, like, how you're supposed to go on, you know, like, bad, bad shit happens in the U.S. Like, I'm not trying to say, like, you know, we don't have our own political strife and our own issues. Sure, of course we do. But it's just we we live in such a fucking sheltered and privileged uh, little little boundary here in the U.S. where uh, we just, you know, our generation really haven't dealt with a lot of the kind of shit people deal with in other countries. I know we talk about a lot of, like the social politics that are really that are really at the forefront of society these days. And that's great. I'm glad that we have these conversations and we're working towards making the world a better place for everyone, not just for certain people. But there is still so much of this world where the, the, the issues they face on a daily basis aren't, um, you know, it's not like, oh, you uh, didn't use my preferred pronouns or you said something that was pretty ignorant or outdated and therefore you're an evil person and I have to make all my friends hate you for internet clout. Like, that's not really like the issues going on in a lot of other parts of the world. Some people have to worry about things like, uh, are are my children going to be bombed to death today? And like, you know, like really serious problems that like actually genuinely straight up affect people's like ability to like breathe and have a beating heart and, 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 and look out for their, their loved ones. So like these are, I don't know, not to say that like the problems that people in the U.S. talk about and worry about aren't real. Wait, wait for me to make this all about us, right? But just to say, like, I want this to be a reflection point for people to just be able to, I don't know, like, realize how, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, there's bad shit happening all, all the time. And we're always so focused on, like, the um, the NFT stuff, I guess, when uh, in reality, we should be more focused on the who's who's being bombed, who's being murdered today. This is a very poorly put together, uh, unscripted thing. I don't really know. I'm not really saying anything coherently, but I, I guess I just want to say. I, I, I see what's going on out there, and obviously, you know, we're wishing you guys the very best. I don't know what the fuck I could possibly do other than just try to stay informed and try to use this tiny, tiny platform to, you know, call out bullshit where I see it. But if there's anything I could possibly do to help any one of you guys, you know, if anyone ever wants to reach out to me, I'm definitely always here for any of you guys. And, and you know, that goes for everyone who listens to this show. Also, another, you know, part of that that's really pertinent to the show in particular pertaining to games, a little game, highly anticipated game coming to Xbox supposedly this year spoiler alert probably not this year now you know stalker 2 is uh actually developed by a little company uh that that exists in in ukraine so gsc game world developer behind the game has issued a statement in in regards to stalker 2 and its development actually went went live today i was wondering all week wonder you know obviously stalker 2 is a very 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 small 
and minuscule, minute problem in the grand scheme of what's going on right now in that part of the world. But uh, I was wondering when, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's a no brainer. These, uh, these, these events are going to have an, an impact on this game. And so here we have our, our update on that. And uh, let me just read this little excerpt from Windows Central. It says, Ukraine is currently being invaded by Russia uh, with the resulting war spreading chaos and disorder across the nation. It's one of the many Ukrainian game development studios. Stalker 2's developer, GSC Game World, has been negatively affected, sharing with it today a video that development of Stalker 2 is pausing due to the war. And the uh, announcement video says, or in the video it says, quote, the titles read, quote, this video is our answer to the how are you guys doing question. The game development has shifted to the sidelines, but we will continue after the victory. So, and it just shows video clips of buildings being bombed and terrible, just terrible shit. And, you know, the reality that people in other parts of the world face on a regular basis. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to upset anyone or offend anyone at the top of the show, but, you know, I don't, I don't mean to make light of, obviously, you know, here in the very, very, very sheltered, very protected for the most part, U.S. part of the world, you know, our biggest concerns are more about preferential things and conveniences and less so about like again the safety of people's you know people's physical safety and so i don't mean to discredit or or you know be ignorant about the kinds of very real problems people you know in this part of the world face but i don't know what the older i get and the more i think about like politics and where i fall on the what matters spectrum the less and less i care about like countries or cultures and the more i just care about like people because it doesn't really matter like you know, like what country you're from or any of these factors. I feel like all these factors are entirely irrelevant in uh, what matters most, which is just respecting people and making sure people are safe and taken care of and accounted for. And so I just, I constantly feel like, you know, like in our country, we have the privilege of, of getting to complain about things that are definitely real problems, but on the hierarchy of what's going on in the world, they are less significant than things like, you know, kids and and women in the Middle East being bombed by United States, you know, tax-funded missile drone strikes from our past four presidents because, you know, we have the fucking worst government. Well, aside from Russia, apparently, and China, maybe. But anyway, I guess the point I'm just trying to make is, you know, guys, just just be good to one another because I think uh, the only way we're ever going to really make progress or avoid things like the horrific events unfolding right now in Russia and Ukraine ever occur again, the only way we're going to prevent this kind of stuff is by trying to break down barriers and not maybe focus focus on cultures and national lines and in ways in which we're different, but just maybe focus on, you know, respecting the fact that everyone has, you know, a friend or a sibling or a parent or a grandparent or some person they love and, and care for. And that, you know, at the end of the day, our, our lives are about making sure those we care about are taken care of and healthy and safe. The fact that we still live in a world where we can have a physical war where someone drops bombs and soldiers have guns and people are shot and killed and physically, you know, attacked. Like the fact that this is a world that still exists is I, I think of a foreign one for a lot of Westerners because that's not a reality we face here in the U.S. That is a reality other parts of the world get to face while we get to kind of shy away from those problems and have our own little like more sheltered and secure and somewhat elitist kind of set of, of of issues and so i just i don't know i just want to say like guys things can fucking happen world war ii is often depicted by you know younger generations our generations as like 
movie ideas and video game ideas, but that was a, a real thing that happened. And I'm not saying that we're about to step into World War III, but it's not impossible that things like that can happen again as we're seeing like what's going on right now with Russia and Ukraine. And um, I don't know. I, I meant to only talk about this for like literally 30 seconds. And here we are like eight minutes in. The world is a fragile and delicate place and this shit is absolutely terrifying. So, you know, we thinking about all you guys uh, out there. I know we have Russian listeners for sure. Maybe have a Ukrainian listener or two. Absolutely disgusting, horrid situation for everyone, especially considering the fact that the overwhelming majority of Russians probably don't even want anything to do with this. This is just because Vladimir Putin is an absolute, absolute horrific sack of shit. But Stalker 2, completely paused in development as far as development is concerned. Really doesn't matter. Normally, this would be big like headline news. But considering the events and, and the reason for why it is being delayed, there's really no, you know, like who gives a shit. There are far more important things happening than Stalker 2. So let's get that out of the way. This really awkward introduction this really fumbly kind of whatever. And uh, let's let's get into the rest of the news. Get back to the ketchup, the mayonnaise, the hot dogs and the pizza talk, you know, the regular shit. People want to know, is garlic aioli going to be Xbox exclusive this, this generation? Let me know what you think in the comments below. Now, and that was it for an update. Let's talk about a correction because well, this is like eh, a correction with an asterisk. So we, last week we talked about the breaking news of Call of Duty reportedly being given a year off. So in 2023, there won't be a Call of Duty. The Rather, 2022's Call of Duty will be given two years to shine. Now, I just want to be clear because I was really like high on the news when we were recording and I just uh, just saw that news. So I want to be clear because I feel, feel like I kind of glossed over something really important to say, which is that this is reportedly what's going on. This is all according to sources, obviously not sources I have or know. I don't have sources. So I just want to be clear. Activision did not officially announce this in any capacity. And I just want to, you know, just just to clarify, like I, I, I feel like I spoke about this as if it is. 100% going to happen, whereas in reality, it's only, you know, very, very likely. So just to just to put that little buffer and that little bit of caution there, because I don't want to speak in absolutes unless something is, you know, absolutely confirmed or announced. So Headhunting Halo, you wrote in, you said, crazy, they finally skipped a year. It's about damn time. Now, I, in all fairness, I, I think there's a 99% true. Those rumors in, the, in those uh, that reporting is true. And I, I yeah, dude, I, I agree with you. I think this is a really exciting moment for call of duty i think i was actually listening to one of my favorite podcasts and listening to their commentary on this story and they brought up a great point which is that you know like assassin's creed was a franchise that was annualized and into the point where it just got tired and repetitive and old and people were really not having it and only once ubisoft finally agreed to step away from the annualization of that franchise were they able to really reinvent the wheel with that franchise and now you know assassin's creed is completely reinvented and it is more popular than ever before with each release so i'm not necessarily saying that call of duty is going to completely reinvent the wheel but you know this is a really exciting opportunity to give audiences an opportunity to be excited about these games and to miss it and for developers to really fully realize their vision for the game so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that but of course to be clear it is not an absolute we probably won't know for sure until next year uh when activision announces it or maybe they'll announce it this year with maybe they can use that as part of like the marketing for modern warfare 2 this year they can be like Oh, and it's guaranteed to have two years of support at least. So, you know, it can be like, a, yeah, it's this new game. You guys are excited about it and we're sticking with it for a while. So you can you can you can guarantee you, you can be guaranteed that we're not abandoning this project anytime soon. You can invest your $60 in this game and be confident that it will be uh, the latest and greatest COD for 
at least more than nine months. So, and then another thing I want to address at the top is like, we, we just got to talk about this. What the fuck is going on with Elden Ring? So Elden Ring came out late last week. Um, I, I've been out of town for, for a long weekend. I, I was out of town for a long weekend and, um, I was on a cruise, so I did not have any access to the internet or the outside world. It was actually quite nice. I just, it was like right before I left. And then right as I got back, it's just everything I could see on the internet was just like Elden Ring this, Elden Ring that. The world is absolutely losing their collective shit over Elden Ring. And uh, that's great. I'm, I'm happy to see people just completely ecstatic about this new game and, and, and really excited about it. I'm blown away by the Metacritic score. It's aggregate is 97% and gamers seem to be really loving it as well. Now, I do, I do want to note that I find it a little bit peculiar that it seems like every major gaming outlet is just like, this game is a masterpiece. Uh, it's the best game since Breath of the Wild. Fuck you. This game's awesome. We're, whatever. Um, brush your teeth. And then you look at like the user reviews and some articles that are coming out. And it's just like, yeah, the game performs like absolute dog shit on PC and it's really broken and buggy and the PS5 version doesn't perform as well as the PS4 version. So if you're going to play the game on PS5, make sure you buy the PS4 version and people are like, oh, well, it runs really well on Xbox, but it's not as buttery smooth as it's supposed to. Do. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And it seems like it's not nearly as bad as like, it, you know, this isn't cyberpunk or anything. And the game is still rather playable, especially on consoles, but the game's having tons of performance issues, tons of launch bugs and, 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 and annoyances, and you're seeing this everywhere, and it's just up against this endless adoration and praise from critics just talking about how this is such a masterpiece of a game. And so, you know, I, I bet I know many of you guys are playing this game right now. I'm sure most of your experience, especially because you're mostly Xbox-centric audience, is that this game is really good, and it looks and great, runs great, and you know, the complaints are a little overblown. I'm sure that is the case. It's generally the truth with these kinds of things. But I just can't help but notice the kind of hypocrisy and like a, a, a game's media outlet being like, 10 out of 10, best game ever. All, and then like immediately afterwards posting an article that's like, Elden Ring runs like ass on a PC. And it's just like, well, well then why are you giving the game a 10? It's got serious issues. So I, I find that a little bit peculiar, but whatever I'm, I I haven't played the game nor do I have any intention of playing the game so I'm not going to really have the proper experience to speak to it I guess only time will tell based on what the consensus becomes and what your guys's experience is knowing a full well a lot of you guys will play it um yeah I've had a couple of you guys <laughs> way of the loud wrote in and says yo yo how it's how's it going what's the deal with all this Elden Ring 10 out of 10 stuff I'm sure it's amazing but why I'm gonna have to request that you play it next time next time on the Twitch stream my good man well, way of the Lao, I sorry to burst your bubble. There's no chance in hell I'm buying this game and, and playing it. Now, I am really happy to see that people are loving it, and um, I'm really happy to see that Bandai Namco, who's publishing it, is giving everyone involved in the game a bonus and what is it, like a temporary like salary bump or something like that for the game because the game's being so well received and everything. I'm like that that's cool. Actually, sharing the wealth that's that's a unique idea. But yeah, man, I don't know. It, it looks to me as as a complete layman, as someone with no experience in the Souls genre whatsoever. It literally looks to me like Dark Souls or Demon Souls or whatever any of those games but plopped into a, a big empty open world like any other modern open world game. So I personally don't know what, what the 
hubbub is. But again, it's I have no context for this franchise I've or this developer and the kinds of games they make. Definitely not my kind of thing. I would be so frustrated. I would break so many fucking controllers if I had to try and play one of these games. And open world games or something I'm just so exhausted by. So I, I can't even imagine potentially wanting to give Elden, Elden Ring a try. You know, I, I definitely feel like I'm I'm missing out a little bit and like, I'm, you know, I'm like, there's something wrong with me that's like, oh man, everyone loves this game. I just can't bring myself to see what's so special about it. But I, I know myself well enough to know this is not my kind of game. I'm really glad to see people are having a great time with it, but it would be a waste of my time and more importantly, a waste of my money if I were to try to get in on this. Maybe one day if it comes to Game Pass or something, I might give it a download just to say I, I've given it a shot. You know, don't want this to be my, be my next Skyrim or anything. But uh, I, I don't know, man. This is a... Uh, this is definitely not my thing, but really glad to see people love it. You know, ask Kronky. Kronky's a huge Dark Souls fan. Maybe this game will resonate with him. I don't know. But, you know, congrats to From Software and everyone on the on a very, very successful release and launch of Elden Ring. And uh, hopefully they whatever issues do exist, especially with the PC version, they're able to fix that real quick because it's kind of bullshit if a game is getting like perfect clean scores and also aggravating uh, a massive player base on what is actually factually the largest install base of any gaming platform i guess aside from phones but you know phones don't count for shit so whatever all right one more thing before we actually two more things but one like notable thing and then one passing kind of thing here um last week we talked about dragon age 4 and how the reports were that it's coming along it's in the middle of production and it's, it's hitting all of its internal targets and and goals and should be out probably by like the end of the year or so well, we got an update from BioWare and from VGC. They, uh, let me just read the, the following. Actually, this is from a blog post, but the story is relayed from VGC. The studio or studio general manager, Gary McKay, uh, said that the new Dragon Age game is at a much more advanced stage than the next Mass Effect game, which is kind of not saying much considering both of those games are pretty much vaporware at this point. Uh, quote, for the next Dragon Age, we are right in the middle of production, which is a great feeling. Our blueprint was completed last year, so now we're focused on building our vision, creating amazing environments, deep characters, strong gameplay, impactful writing, emotional cinematics, and much more. The blueprint for this game is well understood, and the team is focused. Now, last week, Venture Beat journalist Jeff Grubb claimed that Dragon Age 4 development was on a schedule ahead of its potential release in 2023. Uh, later this year, quote, you will start to hear more from the Dragon Age team in, a, in the form of blogs and social media content, Bioware boss said. As we move through our development, we will also be regularly communicating with players who sit on our community council. As passionate fans like you, we take their feedback seriously, and we are listening to all of you, blah, 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 as you share, blah, blah, blah. So basically what they're saying is like, we got through our, what do they call that, a treatment, and basically now they're like in there, fully developing the game, fleshing it out, making it happen. That's great that they're on track by, you know, I assume the standards of whatever their most re recent reiteration of this game has been. But this game has been on and off of a development cycle for like almost a decade. So I don't see this as like, oh my God, the game is coming along great. Everything's full steam ahead and in great shape. I still see this as like, yeah, you guys, you guys have rebooted this thing a million times. In fact, Christian Daly was announced this past week as well to have to have left the studio and the Dragon Age project. So uh, the, the millionth fucking person at Bioware to leave the studio in the middle of this Anthem failed, bringing back Dragon Age, bringing back Mass Effect, rebooting this reboot of a reboot because nothing's working. The, this studio, I, I don't know, man. We talked about like last week how like, or maybe we talked about this on the stream, I don't remember, how like, you know, Bungie is 
an example of how game development is done. They have always been one of the absolute, like I'd say top five greatest game developers. And they, they change the industry every time they put out a new game and they, they, they lead by example. And it's, it's just amazing work. They do, even though a lot of the guys who created halo combat of all back in the day, don't work at Bungie anymore. Not the same guys working on destiny two to this day, largely, but that culture and that work ethic and that innovation from Bungie has remained, and that's still the kind of innovation we see from Bungie to this day. Bioware is kind of just the opposite, where it's like they get all this credit, you know, oh, they're the KOTOR guys, they're the Jade Empire guys. They made Mass Effect, they made Dragon Age. It's like, yeah, but like they don't do anything anymore. And like everyone who mattered in, in, in a large way at that studio has left and then come back and then left. And then they came back again and then they left again. So it's like, what the hell does Bioware even mean when you keep internally rebooting these projects over and over and over again? These games keep changing hands and people keep coming in and out. It's like, I don't, to, to me, Bioware is a team that has to completely prove itself again. Like, forget about the, the Mass Effect trilogy, forget about the old Dragon Age games and KOTOR and all these games we all know and love. Bioware is a studio that whenever they release their next game, whether it's Dragon Age 4 or whatever have you, we got to start from scratch. Become reacquainted with these guys and figure out who are you, what is this game you present to me, and have you made something that is worth my time and in, in, in appreciation? Because I, I just cannot be convinced at this point that Bioware is in any shape or form the, the Bioware that once created all the greatness they are still to this day famous for. So there's that. And then lastly, this is technically PlayStation news, but it is, I think, very relevant to Xbox. And I think many of you will find this very exciting and interesting. Uh, maybe not exciting, but interesting, especially if you're a, a Game Pass weeb. So Shadow Warrior 3, a game looks fucking awesome, comes out very soon. Anyway, is uh, going to launch into PlayStation now when it releases in a few weeks. So... Shadow Warrior 3 is kind of a, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like fucking Elden Ring, but Shadow Warrior 3 is a big game. The first one was a pretty, I mean, the very double A kind of game, but over the course of the first two games, these, these games have kind of amassed a name and reputation, very Duke Nukem style games, and they're fun. I, I've played the first one many times and never beaten it, but always had a good time with it. And I played the second one a little bit as well. These games are awesome. It's kind of it's basically like um, like Samurai Sword, Doom Eternal. It's fucking great. And the third one is a moderately anticipated game. Like it's not it's not a small nothing game. Like this is a notable release for March, and it's just launching into PlayStation Now, which is PlayStation's streaming service. Much in the way things like MLB The Show and Back for Blood and all these games have just, you know, Rainbow Six Siege or Rainbow Six, Six Extraction, how these games have just launched straight into Game Pass day one. So I found this kind of peculiar because PlayStation is supposedly working on their own Game Pass competitor. So why would they make such a big splash and announcement for, for PlayStation now? But also the fact that PlayStation is willing to secure something like this tells you that they they mean business and they are working on something that is going to be their response whether or not it's a direct response by being a very similar service or an indirect response by trying to do something in a similar vein but in a way that's more sustainable and profitable for a company like Sony but they they're going to respond and they're going to have some kind of some kind of um product to offer their their consumer base and uh I mean, this this shows that they're not playing around. So very, very interesting stuff. 
this is uh, definitely something we're going to continue to keep our eyes peeled for. But, uh, you know, that's a good get. Like, if you, if you told me Shadow Warrior was launching the Game Pass day and date, I'd have been like, hell yes, I'm playing that. But, so, I mean, that's a good get for you guys, PlayStation. Now, that's it for all of our little amusement stories. Now, let's jump into the comments and shout-outs. Let's get into the regular on our show, guys. You know how it works. Head on over to YouTube.com slash Xbox on podcast. Click on the podcast, latest episode, whatever. Leave a comment. Say something really nice, like Jesse. You're dumb, and I love Xbox. Keep up the good work, and I'll be like, cool, reading that. Say something to me like, Jesse, you're dumb, and I hate the podcast, and I'll be like, okay, that's me, and I'm still reading on the show. And whatever you guys say, get off your chest. Just be nice to one another, okay? We've had bullying in the past. not going to stand for it. Be nice. Keep your meanness to yourself, unless it's directed towards me, and, and make sure you say really nice things about Crossfire X, okay? You big jackasses. Now, follow me on Twitch. Compassionate Choice LLC writes in and says, Jesse... Finally checked out a few of your past streams on Twitch. Man, I thought I was bad at Halo Infinite. You were getting worked out over there. Keep up the content, and I'm happy to join you in Crossfire X or Halo if you want to play some real matches. Compassionate Choice LLC, if you want to play Crossfire X with me, just hit me up. Get, send me a party invite. Hit me up on Twitter or something. DM me. Let's make this happen. I'm happy to play some Crossfire X. I don't know what the fuck Halo Infinite is, but this Crossfire X, I would love to experience it with you. And yeah, I'm not great at games, especially on stream, especially when I'm streaming. I'm really fucking bad at games, but hey, fuck you. Now this, my brother writes in and says, Contraband sounds a lot like a payday based uh, game on uh, based on that report, except the focus on vehicle combat, of course. Well, I never played payday, but I know people like it a lot. And maybe that means they'll like Contraband a lot. I don't know. Good comment. Crossfire X and Call of Duty comments, kind of, sort of. Mr. Miggy. You know him, you love him, or at least I do. Writes in and says, I'm excited for Modern Warfare 2 since I had a lot of fun with Modern Warfare 2019, and I felt like the next COD came out way too quickly. I emphasize with the way part, but... So anyway, I'm glad that I'm glad they're taking a year off. You're right, by the way. CD Projekt Red did market that game, Cyber, Cyberpunk, of course, um, originally for the PS4 and Xbox One and misled those games. I think for me, though... My issue was that I dismissed the base consoles years ago since I felt that they were too underpowered, which led me into PC gaming. That was until the Xbox One X came out and got me back into consoles. Also, I forgot to download Crossfire X or even touch my Xbox. I must rectify this injustice. Now, I mean, that's that's fair, and I feel like the reason I want to read this comment is because I feel like that actually kind of represents my interpretation of it as well, but I feel like that... that interpretation is accurate and kind of representative of a lot of hardcore gamers where I feel like a lot of us did know this going into cyberpunk 2077, whether we spoke about it a lot or not, it was kind of like an understood thing. That's like, yeah, yeah, this is obviously a game that's going to target next gen or PC. And you're going to want to have a beefy machine to play this game. But still you got to think about it. Like this game wasn't built and marketed solely for hardcore Epic gamers. This game is meant to be sold to the masses and the fact is the masses mostly have shit like a base PS4 and the base cheapest, you know, Xbox One S or whatever, especially at the time this game came out. So to to knowingly announce that the game is coming to those platforms and market it towards those platforms and everything and then still launch the way they launched with with this product on those platforms the way they were, unacceptable. 
But I, I agree with you. I was in a similar vein where, like, you know, even, I don't know, even even if I wasn't able to get my hands on an Xbox Series X pre-order, because this game came out so close to the release of those consoles, my headspace the whole time was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Cyberpunk is a game you're going to want to play on your PS5 or your Xbox Series X or, or your PC. Don't even bother with the old hardware. So I think a lot of us were kind of leaning that way as well. But again, got to keep in mind, we are a very loud minority of people when it comes to gaming. The, the majority of people aren't finger on the pulse all the time with the latest and greatest happening in the games industry. You know, not everyone always knows what CEO of EA, Andrew Wilson, had to say about the Fifi, the, the Fifi, the FIFA licensing or anything. You know, it's like mo- most people are just like, oh, yeah, that's the game I play. I buy the game and to play the game buy. You know, that's all that's all people want to know. So. This stuff matters, and, and, and these developers and these publishers, they know that shit, and that's why it's especially inexcusable. Now, Mojo writes in and says, had zero interest in Crossfire X. Now that you apparently work for Remedy Entertainment, all your subliminal messaging and clever marketing techniques have almost sold me on trying it out. I hope Remedy is paying you good money for pushing their product to us poor, unwitting consumers. God damn you, Epcot Daddy. P.S., I'm pretty sure Elden Ring is a game of the year contender. As a fan of Souls-like games, except for the fact that they're so freaking hard, everything about this game looks A-plus. Definitely looking forward to adding it to my growing backlog. Peace, ex-boners. Mojo, thanks for riding in. Always such a pleasure to see you. Now, no, I don't work for Remedy Entertainment, because as you as you know, they only developed one of the campaigns and consulted on this. They, they were basically the campaign guys. And by the way, I figured out why the campaign feels so different, it's because the campaign is developed in Remedy's um, engine, I forget the name of it, but in their en- en- engine, whereas the multiplayer is made in Unreal Engine 4, so that is why they feel so different. But anyway, I am not a, a Remedy Entertainment brand ambassador, okay? I actually uh, work for Smilegate, the Korean uh, owner and developer of the Crossfire brand. So, yes, they did send me over an Epic Gaming chair. They sent me over a mini fridge stocked with Crossfire X G Fuel. And, yes, I have a hat. And if this were a video podcast, you would see my awesome Smilegate Crossfire X hat that I've, that I've been wearing for the past three weeks Three weeks straight, my employer keeps telling me to take off the hat at work or else they're going to write me up, and I don't listen to them because I'm a fucking brand ambassador to what I do. But hey, Mojo, glad to see you join the ranks of Elden Ring fans and enjoyers of, of, of Elden Ring, the video game. I'm, I'm excited to see your guys' take, especially next week after you've had some time to play. Let, write in. Let me know how the game is. Try to convince me. I, you don't have to. But, uh, you know, why should I, as someone who uh, doesn't give a shit about Souls games... Maybe maybe uh, give Elden Ring a try. I won't, but I'd, I'd like to hear your point of view if you'd like. If you'd like. Sounds a little arrogant. Anyway, let's round out with uh, two comments. First of all, Ar- Arctic Chief, you know him, you love him, or at least I do, writes in and says, A guy at work was telling me that they're giving a trial out for Cyberpunk. Yeah, you can download the trial on Series X and PS5. Anyway, I told him that he'd be better off watching Water Boil for that amount of time. After the weekend, he came up to me and was like, well, I made my <laughs> I made my guy have a gigantic wiener and walked around for an hour or so. That was such a waste of time. I never played it. I never had the interest. <laughs> I love this. So you, you went and played the game. You made it. You made a character with a big penis and then walked around the world for an hour or so. He said, I never played it. Never had any interest in it either. <laughs> what I'm interested in is playing through the Witch Queen DLC, Destiny 2, baby, hint, hint, heart emoji, Arctic Chief. I'm going to a wedding this weekend, but on Sunday, hit me up. Let's play some fucking Destiny. Do it, boy. You and me. Let's make it happen. Cronky, you listening? Anyone you listening? DM me on Twitter. Say, Jesse, 
you are dumb and I want to play Destiny at the same time and then put the eggplant emoji four and a half times. And that will let me know that you want to start a fire team in Destiny 2. I look forward to your uh, your, your your DM, Arctic Chief. And, and again, just a heads up, a little warning. If you are going to slide into my, my DMs, protect your knees. Put on some shin guards, some shin pads. This is hockey after all. Dead Captain James, by the way, rounding this out, still alive. He comments in and says, still alive, been lurking and listening. Kind of excited to try the best, to try and best Elden Ring. All right. Well, Dead Captain James is still alive. Good to know. Guys, that's going to do it for all of our comments this week. Remember, for next week, write in. Yell at me. Say something mean to me. Challenge me. Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why you're smart. Tell me why your brain is bigger than my brain and has more cells and hopefully not too many cells because that's cancer. And that's 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 legitimately how that works. That's really terrifying. So let's not talk about that. So for next week, don't be shy. Reply. Next, let's jump into what I've been playing. Before I can tell you about what I've been playing, let me tell you about... What I've been eating. Now, guys, I was on a cruise this weekend. Very first time cruising. Didn't know if it would be my thing, if I would like it or not. But what sold me on it was twofold. One, it's Disney, and I love Disney. And two, it's basically just an excuse to get stranded at a resort where all you can do is eat and rest. And I was like, huh, this is like what I've been eating the vacation. So I did it. We went on a Disney cruise over the weekend. And uh, I got to say... What have I been eating? Just ask the toilet bowl. Pretty much everything conceivable to mankind. I've been eating so much. In fact, the past few days since I've gotten back, I've been trying to fast as much as possible. I've been trying to basically just eat like a salad or a sandwich and and, and, and cut back because I need to lose some, some weight. I'm fairly certain I put on at least eight pounds over this past weekend alone. I'm talking like four meals minimum a day. This shit is crazy, okay? I don't know. Have you guys ever... I assume many of you out there have been on a cruise before. This shit is crazy. This is this is a terrible concept. This is the most American and 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 just gluttonous concept of a vacation I've ever heard. You just get on a cruise and then it's just like here are a hundred restaurants and they're all included in the price of your admission and just go eat and then when you're done eating, eat again and then after that you're probably going to be hungry so you might want to eat and then once you you know take a little bit of a nap, you're going to wake up and probably be hungry again so it's time to eat. But before you eat, you're probably going to want to get a little snack to kick things off and. uh I don't know where to begin. Like, uh, basically, here's the thing that you need to know about Disney Cruise. Whatever. It's a cruise. Cool. Great for the family. Fun vacation. Because it's a Disney Cruise, they sell a lot of, or they the, the food included is a lot of the kinds of food you would find in a Disney theme park. So I'm talking classic Disney French fries, classic Disney chicken tenders, classic Disney pizza, classic Disney burgers, whatever. The generic theme park food. You can get that shit all day, every day, 24-7. Mickey ice cream bars, I'm talking the whole nine yards. Endless, included in your price of admission. Just whenever, however much you want, go at it. I, you know, as someone who's a huge fan of the Disney theme parks, eaten many Disney french fries, both in Central Florida and in Southern California in my lifetime, I find it amazing to think that now I get to die one day knowing that I consumed Disney french fries in the middle of the ocean. And that's just something that a lot of people get to say. And so kind of, you know, this isn't so much a specific celebration of an item I was eating, but more so a general celebration that, wow, I got to I got to eat Disney French fries in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. So what have I been eating? A lot of shit. But uh, it's 
I'm I'm actually kind of grossed out and disgusted by food right now. I I don't know what to say. Like I food is like this thing I have a adversarial relationship right now with where I'm like I want to lose weight, work out, drink water and avoid food like the plague and then once a day I'm like oh I'm hungry, I need to eat and then I'm just reminded of like eating two appetizers, a soup, an entree and two desserts for dinner and then going back to my my room and ordering room service and I'm just like yeah I need to throw up right now because anyway guys whatever I've been eating super vague but if you're a fat ass like me I highly highly recommend cruising one of these days talking the whole thing steak really awesome desserts buffets with all the all the food like the you know the rice and the shrimp and the chicken tenders and mac and cheese and the breakfast with the eggs benedict guys what do you why are you playing xbox right now get off your ass Go over to your Surface Pro and book yourself a Disney cruise or equivalent. You'll thank me later. Okay, now that out of the way, guys, I gotta say, because I was out of town this week, I really didn't have a lot of time to play games, so I tried to sneak in a couple matches of Crossfire X wherever I could here and there, but I, I basically completely fallen off Far Cry 6, which I feel really bad about. I want to get back to it. I really don't want that game to fall away into my backlog when I, you know, I was enjoying it so much. But that's kind of where I am right now. I really want to get around to Witch Queen because I love Destiny. I'm really excited about this expansion. I hear it's really great. So I do plan on trying to jump into that this weekend. Hit me up, Arctic Chief. Hit me up. Anyone else, you know where to find me. Just make it happen. But, uh, uh, yeah, other than that, that's my plan. You know, keep playing Crossfire X. Keep fighting the good fight. I'm starting to notice that the player count is dropping a lot. It's getting harder to find matches. You fucking assholes! You better play this game. Don't let it. Don't let it fall into obscurity. Don't don't do that to me. But uh, other than that, I'm really looking forward to getting into Witch Queen. And lastly, I guess I, I did. I have been. I've been trying to find this for dirt cheap on eBay for like a year now. And I finally just bit the bullet and bought it used for like seventeen dollars. But I went ahead and bought Call of Duty <laughs> Black Ops declassified which is the uh which is the call of duty game that was made released in 2012 for the playstation vita and it was actually developed by um instigate games who i don't even think are around anymore they also made like man they made like marvel's nemesis and like they worked on like vampire masquerade and they worked on that one resistance game on vita and they uh they're they're no longer around anymore unfortunately but I gotta be honest this game is uh pretty cool I know people hate it people absolutely hate this game but I love PlayStation Vita and I've been trying to go back and play some of the games I missed and and always wanted to try so like this past year I played a lot of um, Killzone Mercenaries which is actually the best Killzone game believe it or not and it's a it's a handheld game and so anyway so I'm like going through all these Vita games I missed but wish I had played. And uh, Black Ops Declassified is kind of cool. It really does feel like Black Ops 1 era Call of Duty. Pretty surprisingly well pulled off on on a handheld. And here's the craziest part is the game is still kind of well populated online despite the fact that no one bought or played Vita. So every night before bed, I'm like getting a match or two in. Just playing it a little bit online. I haven't touched the, the single player content, but it's cool. It's weird just playing a game that pretty much behaves and feels and looks like Call of Duty, but on a PlayStation Vita and not like a home console. But um, yeah, that's that's what I've been playing because I'm emotionally devastated and uh, I ate too many Disney French fries. But guys, with all this out of the way, let's let's jump into the news. Don't you say it's time we discuss the latest and greatest happenings in the world of Xbox? I say so. All right, our first story of the week is about something I'm sure many of you will be pretty excited to hear about if you haven't already heard about it, which is 
This is related by VGC, of course, our number one source for all news, video games, and chronicles. A sequel to Fallout New Vegas is in very early talks at Microsoft, according to a journalist. And spoiler alert, it's the same guy who's always in the news because he's always spilling the beans on all the good shit we want to hear. Jeff Grubb, speaking on his premium Giant Bomb show, Grub Snacks. Venture Beats Jeff Grubb claimed that original developer Obsidian could create a sequel to the classic RPG now that it's under the same roof as license holder Bethesda. This is, quote, this is very early, but people have begun to, to have talks and say that say words and sentences, and those words are Obsidian and New Vegas 2, said Grubb. Quote, we're taking years and years away. Or sorry, we're, t- we're talking about years and years away. There's at least an interest in conversations happening right, uh, about making something like that actually a reality. And quote, Jeff Grubb uh, finished with, a lot of people at Microsoft think that this could work and that there's a lot of interest to make it happen. Fallout New Vegas is a 2010 action role-playing game developed by Obsidian Entertainment and published by Bethesda Software. So I do want to say about this couple things. Here's, here's two things. This is such a bittersweet thing. It's like, I don't know, first of all, like how could this conversation not have happened and occurred? We, we talked about it in the past. Between In Exile and in Obsidian, and Bethesda, and whatever. Microsoft owns all the vertical, all the talent, all the teams, all the people and the associations ever involved with any iteration of Fallout now. Um, and so it's it's crazy because it's like, obviously everyone's mind naturally would go to like, oh my God, Obsidian can make, you know, in Exile could do like an RTS Fallout, and Obsidian can make a new, new another New Vegas game, blah, 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 blah. And everyone's mind jumps these places. But the thing is, Microsoft set the precedent really early on. It's like, no, we're going to be hands-off and let our teams just kind of work on whatever they want to work on. And Obsidian set the record pretty early on before Bethesda even joined the Xbox family. Like, hey, we're working on a sequel to Outer Worlds 2, and we're working on Avowed. So, like, we have our hands tied. Plus, they have that that other team that works on Grounded, which is, of course, a smaller project. But it's like, obviously, Obsidian is very, very busy right now. So, Avowed, maybe, like, another two years out. Uh, Outer Worlds 2, I don't know, maybe, like, another five years out, four or five years out. So, you think about it, it's like Obsidian is a very, very hands-tied studio right now. Um, and I don't know how on earth they could possibly, you know, make something like a new Vegas 2 happen in any reasonable time frame. And so, obviously, Jeff Grubb, you know, covers his tracks there or covers his ass a little bit by mentioning how this is like stupidly premature talks. This is like people are talking and things might happen one day, but nothing is actively in development. Right. So that that I say bittersweet because it's like, oh, so they also see the obvious potential and are interested in potentially doing something. It sounds like Obsidian is not closed off to the concept and what what have you. But let's say everything goes best case scenario. They're like, yeah, we want to do a sequel to New Vegas. Let's make it happen. It's like, oh, okay. They probably can't get to work on that for at least another two or three years at, like, at the earliest for like basic conceptualization and drafting and everything and then they can't get like full steam ahead on that game for like another half a decade so like if they want to make a new vegas 2 we really probably wouldn't see it for like another eight to ten years or something like that so that's what i mean by bittersweet it's like oh cool everyone's under the same umbrella now with microsoft owning all these teams it can happen but also like these teams are so tied up with other projects that like it would never happen. And then the other problem, the other the other flip side to that is that we know um, Bethesda is going to continue to work on Fallout, but we know they're doing this whole one game at a time. Bethesda game work uh, game. Bethesda Game Studios is doing 
um, Starfield right now, then Elder Scrolls Six, and then presumably they'll do the next Fallout. But at the clip they've been working at with like six years, six plus year dev cycles, you know, God, it's more than that. Skyrim was 2011, and then Fallout Four was 2015. So by the time Starfield comes out, it'll be like seven years, whatever. These like seven year dev cycles or whatever. By the time we get the next Fallout game, because Elder Scrolls has got to come after Starfield, man, oh man, it's going to be like, what, like 14 years or some shit like that? So it's really, really hard to say what the future of Fallout is because Microsoft has the teams, they have the IP, and clearly they have at least some people who are really interested in making this happen. And it sounds like the important people or like the people, the decision makers are interested enough in continuing these franchises, this franchise, whether it be Bethesda's Fallout games or a New Vegas 2 from Obsidian or what have you. But the problem is all these teams are so incredibly occupied with other pre-committed projects that there's there's nowhere to fit a New Vegas 2 anytime in a reasonable time frame. So it's like, okay, we're learning that maybe New Vegas 2 is is, you know, going to be on the way at some point in history. It's like, yeah, but we're all we're all going to be like grandfathers and have carpal tunnel and be unable to enjoy this game by the time it's actually available to the public. So like, what does it matter? Then there's the whole thing with In Exile because we know that they're supposedly working on like a third person full 3D open world RPG something type game like unlike anything they've ever done before and it's like well they could be working on a Fallout New Vegas game or they could be working on a Fallout game you know they could be taking the Bethesda formula and putting their spin on it much like what Obsidian did so that wouldn't be entirely implausible and maybe that's how we can get another Fallout game in a reasonable time frame you know something under a decade but again it's it's there's 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 no telling there's nothing that directly says that that is what's happening and even then that wouldn't be no new vegas you know that would be a different kind of fallout so this is exciting news but it is like i said bittersweet because cool people are talking about new vegas too cool people are open to the idea of doing a new vegas too see you in a million years so Thanks, Jeff Grubb. You just got us excited about something that we'll never live to see. Wow. I can't wait to play it. All right. Speaking of things you can't wait to play, Valve, Steam Deck, Game Pass. Let's talk about it. VGC reports Steam owner of Valve, uh, sorry, Steam owner Valve has said that it's willing to help Microsoft bring PC Game Pass to its platform. Currently, Game Pass subscribers on PC need to use a Microsoft app in order to access their library. But Valve CEO Gabe Newell has now indicated that to PC Gamer that there's nothing blocking the subscription service from coming to Steam. Newell also suggested that Valve would not be interested in launching its own Game Pass-style subscription service. Quote, I don't think it's something that we think we need to do ourselves, building a subscription service at this time. But for the customer, it's clearly a popular option, and we'd be more than happy to work with Microsoft to get that onto Steam. Microsoft's gaming CEO, Phil Spencer, has previously commented positively on Valve's Steam Deck handheld, which became available to order this past week. And Newell indicated that he had conversations with Xbox at one point in time, saying, quote, We've talked to the people for quite a bit about the topic, Newell said. If your customers want it, then you should figure out a way to make it happen. That's where we're at. As noted by PC Gamer, there's some precedent for subscription services on Steam as Electronic Arts' EA Play service was added to Steam in 2020. Steam Deck runs the latest version of Valve's SteamOS software, which is based on Linux, allowing players to easily access their Steam library games and all of their platform's features. However, Steam Deck is also an open PC with the ability to install software or connect 
with any hardware, which means players could, in theory, access a company's game store, such as the Microsoft Store and Game Pass. Last summer, Phil Spencer, Xbox head, seemingly ruled out the possibility of launching Game Pass on other platforms in the near future, mostly citing the difficulty of finding companies that would want to work with them on such a project as the main reason. So I want to focus kind of on Phil Spencer because this is not a surprising response from Gabe Newell. I don't I actually find this zero percent shocking coming from him. Uh, Steam or Valve has always been a very libertarian, like free, open market kind of you know, consumer first platform. That's why Steam is by far like, and I, and I, I'm sure I speak for absolutely everyone when I say this, Steam is by far the best and most superior platform of any of the video game services. And that's coming from someone who loves Xbox and prefers to play on Xbox and is generally pretty happy with the Xbox stored ecosystem and Xbox live and all those features. Valve, I mean, Steam is by far the superior one. They have all the consumer-friendly products and features imaginable. They have all the, you know, every all the new features that PlayStation and Xbox try to adopt for Xbox Live and PlayStation Network are usually things that are just a catch-up of what Steam already has. Things like the ability to play a game and then return it if you, if you didn't love it in under a certain time period. Or the ability for people to have forums and databases and questions and guides and facts about games that you're stuck on or, or want to look more into. And the ability for people to leave reviews and have like rate games and leave detailed reviews and things like that. Xbox has done a really good job of adopting a lot of this stuff and they've always had a little bit of this in their DNA. But Steam's always been by far the best. And Game Noel has always been pretty outspoken about these things. They are very consumer first. You can make a lot of money by just giving the people what they fucking want kind of company. And so this doesn't surprise me at all seeing it come from them. Xbox, on the other hand, is, you know, that's the interesting one because Xbox in recent years has been that way a lot. They've behaved that way a lot. They've had a lot of that mentality, especially ever since they started with the uh, backwards compatibility thing. It's been a lot of that kind of uh, cadence from you know, Phil Spencer and the like over at Xbox. But this is an opportunity to see if they're going to put their money where their mouth is, because this is not, this is clearly an option where, you know, Gabe Newell is like, sure, let's make it happen. I don't care if that's what the people want, let's give it to them. And Phil Spencer has said in the past, like, oh yeah, we're interested in putting on, you know, Game Pass on other platforms. But now it's like, okay, well, here's push come to shove because someone's inviting you to put it on your, on their platform. And uh, let's see, are you going to make it happen? And, you know, everyone always talks, we, we always say, you know, the ultimate goal is to get Game Pass onto PlayStation, get Game Pass onto Switch. So if that really is Xbox's true end goal is to have Game Pass everywhere, which I believe it is, then they're going to work to make this happen. That, that's that's all there is to it. You have to work to make it happen. If not, Phil Spencer was full of shit last year when he said the real reason or thing holding them back is other companies' willingness to work with Microsoft on getting Game Pass onto their ecosystem. So... This is where rubber hits the road and where we find out, you know, if Phil Spencer's telling the truth or not. And if this is really Xbox's immediate priority or not, or if this is something that they're still testing the waters and trying to figure out where they are and what steps to take at what time. Because all of this, everything they've done in recent years with uprooting the industry and changing and spinning on its head with Game Pass and and um, backwards compatibility and all these consumer first focused features that they have and do. This is where we really start to see what that looks like in a full-scale capacity where now you're playing Xbox services and games on a competitor's platform. You don't need a Xbox to do it. You don't need an Xbox app to do it. You don't necessarily need to be signed to an Xbox account or anything like that. You just need to have 
your Xbox account, presumably linked to your Steam account, so you can access your Game Pass shit on Steam. Obviously, it takes a lot of work to make that stuff happen. There's a lot of things Microsoft would need to do and work with Steam on in order to make that a reality. But if the real goal is to just have Game Pass available anywhere and everywhere, yeah, jump on this. What What is stopping you? So, I don't know. I find this incredibly compelling because this is basically just Valve saying, hey, Xbox, balls in your court. We don't care. We make more money than we know what to do with. Our main objective in this world is just to keep making money and to never make a Left 4 Dead 3. So as long as we're doing those two things, you do what you want, Xbox. And uh, Phil, what say you? All right, next up. VGC reports that Square Enix have stated that sales of its Guardians of the Galaxy game undershot initial expectations. In a newly published presentation following the results briefing held earlier this month, the company's president, Yosuke Matsuda, stated that the game hasn't sold as well as he'd hoped, even though it had received it had reviewed well. Despite some strong reviews, the game's sales at launch, quote, undershot our initial expectations, Matsuda said. However, sales initiatives that we kicked off in November of 2021 and continued into the new year have resulted in sales growth, and we intend to work to continue to expand sales to make up for the title's slow start. This is the second time Square has expressed unhappiness with the initial sales for Marvel's game, Marvel game. Back in November, Matsuda said Square Enix needed to learn from the disappointing performance of Marvel's Avengers, claiming that developer Crystal Dynamics was a bad fit given the lack of experience with that kind of game as a service model. Guardians of the Galaxy is a single-player story-driven third-person action-adventure game, which was developed by Eidos Montreal and was released in October for Xbox One, Xbox Series, and PC platforms. Now, I want to focus on that quote there about the, the juxtaposition of Crystal Dynamics' Avengers versus Eidos Montreal's Guardians of the Galaxy, because even though I think a lot of people... I think one affected the other. I think a lot of people saw Avengers and saw the negative reception around it and the stink and the uncanny valley of the way the characters looked and all that stuff and then kind of passed on that association and bad rep to Guardians of the Galaxy when that was then announced. I I, I do think one of those things definitely affected the other for sure. But I think it is also important to note just that, which is the, the developer and the genre in which they were working with because... Yeah, Crystal Dynamics is not a games-as-a-service developer, and it was a bad fit for them, and this is just like when Bioware had to make Anthem, where it's like, why are you making this team do something that's so out of their wheelhouse just for the sake of trying to have your own Destiny, trying to have your own Division 2 or whatever, you know? This isn't how these things work. If it's not organic, if it's not from the heart, you're going to come up with something stupid, and lo and behold... That's what we got with Marvel's Avengers. Now, I haven't played the game. I'm not saying I think it's stupid. I'm just saying people are generally pretty dissatisfied with the game, pretty underwhelmed by the game, and it didn't do nearly as well as they had expected. However, with Guardians of the Galaxy, that's kind of different because that game, from a a genre standpoint, gameplay standpoint, is kind of exactly what teams like Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal are used to. In fact, it has a lot in common with Tomb Raider. It's a third-person action game with light puzzle solving, uh, you know, friend you know, whatever, gunplay, combat. If you think about the way Star-Lord fires his guns in that game, it's not all that different from how Laura Croft fires her weapons. So there's a lot more DNA spread across Guardians of the Galaxy in previous IDOS games. So it's, um, I don't think you can blame that specific component really on the failure, if you want to say that, of, of Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, this game was poorly, poorly marketed, I want to say. It was one of those games that you know to their credit 
they announced it shortly before it was ready to hit market, which is cool. That way you can have the cool, like, whoa, you guys didn't know this game was in development. Here's an announcement. And also, it's only out in a few months. Isn't that exciting? And that was great. But I feel like the game had a big E3 reveal, and it was like, whoa, no one knew about that game. And then it went quiet, and then it came out, and then it reviewed well, and then it sold poorly. And that was kind of like the story of that game. And they mentioned how the game is doing, you know, they keep putting on sale and doing like New Year sales and beginning of the year sales and all these kinds of things. And it's clearly helping the game sell copies. But it looks like at the end of the day, you know, they wanted their Spider-Man PS4. And instead they got another disappointing sales, another disappointing sales run for for them. But I, I, I don't know. I just can't help but wonder, like, is this a marketing issue or what? what is the problem here? Because Guardians of the Galaxy is an incredibly popular IP right now. People love those characters. They love that world. This game was incredibly good. You know, my, my buddy picked it up for me and gave it to me as a Christmas gift. So I, I played it um, earlier than I was expect. I was going to wait for the game to be dirt cheap before I ever got around to it. But I ended up playing it way before I expected to. And I ended up enjoying the game quite a bit. I thought it was a pretty, pretty good game all around. Um, really well written, really interesting dialogue and fun fun uh, representation of those characters really accurately and honestly portrayed, in my opinion, with my limited experience uh, with, with the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. But I don't know, I can't help but feel like, despite the fact that the game was really well done and it was an IP that's really popular and hot right now, it still didn't really meet sales expectations. So does that mean Square Enix either has absurdly unrealistic expectations for the, for the sales of something like this? I know it's expensive to use a license you don't own, but is that what it is? Or did they really drop the ball with marketing this? Because I, I could see a world in which people felt like this was probably like expansion content or add-on DLC for um for Marvel's Avengers or where people just thought this was all oh, the Marvel's Avengers guys are making another one of those games, but with guardians of the galaxies. No, 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 thank you. And, and, and I just, I can't put my finger on what went wrong here, but I also kind of feel like this is the, the responsibility rests on the shoulders of square Enix here. I can't help but feel like, because this is a game you could have gone hard with the marketing, with the advertisements and everything, because if enough people knew about this game, I think, I think this game would have done quite well. Uh, I, I don't really know many people who knew about this game. This isn't a game that got a lot of buzz. And I just feel like that was because Square Enix did a bad job of getting the word out there. Whereas Marvel's Avengers was a game that I, I also thought got less press than you would have expected for that game, but definitely got more press than Guardians of the Galaxy. But when it came out, it did really well at first because I think people were just like, oh, sure, Gar- uh, Avengers shit, yes. But then immediately quickly found out, like, hey, this game's not good and people don't have great things to say about it. Whereas, you know, this game had the opposite effect where a lot of people were like, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy from IDOS? Ah, it's too close to what you guys just did with Avengers over at, at Crystal Dynamics. And then the game came out and people were like, oh, shit, this game's actually really good. So... It can't help but feel like the onus is on Square Enix here. And we see them keep talking about this was a failure. You know, uh, Outriders was a failure. Marvel's Avengers was a failure. What did this game's sales look like? And what constitutes as a success versus a failure? Because they say failure, my mind goes to, wow, they didn't even recoup the cost of development. But then I'm like, you know what? I, I bet the game is profitable. They just wanted it to be like, again, like PS4, Spider-Man 2018 not like a a profitable, decently performing game, you know, of many, you know. So I, I, I don't know, but without numbers, we can't really be for sure. But, man, I'm really curious about 
again, Square Enix just constantly coming back with the whole, we were disappointed by this game. We were disappointed. The only game they're not disappointed by, apparently, is like Final Fantasy VII Remake or Kingdom Hearts 3. It just seems like everything that comes out from these guys these days is like, oh, that was a disappointment. So what the fuck is their expectation is what I want to know, you know? But uh, we'll get back to Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy because that game's going into Game Pass, which is another thing we keep seeing Square Enix do with these games. Is they either launch right into Game Pass or they launch, they don't do very well, and then they go to Game Pass for a chance like uh, at redemption. And, man, it's like, did the game really do that badly? Or was it really the fault? Uh, who, whose fault was that really? That, that That's where we're at. But anyway, it's, it's a good game. Definitely worth a, a run through if it's on Game Pass. A very solid Game Pass entry for sure. This is our our last big story after this. It's just uh, Game Pass updates for the, for the week. But this is a big story. I read this story a couple times and tried to figure out how I could pare it down and, and, and cut out some of the fluff. But there is no fluff. This is just a very all-relevant lengthy ass story and we just got to get into it and i know a lot of you guys probably aren't sports gamer fans so if you got to bounce for for 10 minutes i understand but this is a this is about one of the absolute biggest games in the industry and i think we got to talk about it so so this is straight from vgc electronic arts ceo andrew wilson has given employees a frank appraisal of what he believes the company could do better uh would could be better off ending its 30-year relationship with fifa and the most re- in the most revealing comments yet on the status of the license negotiations with footballing today, Wilson told staff in the internal company meetings in November that the FIFA license has been an impediment to EA's ambitions for the game series. In comments provided anonymously to VGC, Wilson claimed that FIFA had precluded EA from expanding its games into modes beyond traditional 11 v 11, 11 uh, or broaden digital ecosystems and suggested that only value EA got from the license in a non-World Cup year was the four letters on the front of the box. EA declined to comment when provided with advance notice of this story, but EA and FIFA were engaged in a surprising series of back-and-forth statements last year, which started with, and we talked about this last year, so this is a development, a continuation of that development. Uh, and, and those talks started with video games publisher decided to make, a pu- make it public that it was considering ending its relationship with the footballing body FIFA. According to a New York Times report published in the same month negotiations between the pair stalled due to ea's desire for more rights and fifa's alleged demand for ea to double its payment of the license to 2.5 billion dollars over the next decade if negotiations aren't resolved before ea's current 10-year naming deal expires after this year's world cup fifa could be the first ea sports football game to use the fifa name vgc understands ea is currently planning to release this game's this game has FIFA 23 and include two FIFA World Cup tournaments, the men's and women's event, for the first time in the series. However, speaking to employees during an internal all-hands-on meeting in November, EA boss Wilson argued that ditching the FIFA brand could easily benefit its developers, players, and the company's bottom line, especially in a year in years where it doesn't have a World Cup tournament to put into its games. I'm going to be, this is a quote, I'm going to be more open, more open than I've ever been outside the uh, uh, outside world, Wilson said when asked why EA was considering breaking up with FIFA. He continued, we've had a great relationship with FIFA over the past 30 odd years. We've created billions in revenue. It's just huge. We've created one of the biggest entertainment properties on the planet. I would argue, and this 
may be a little biased, but the FIFA brand has more meaning as a video game than it does as a governing body of soccer. I think it's a really important quote. We don't take it for granted, and we say that we try not to be arrogant. We've worked really hard to try and make FIFA understand what we need for the future. He added, basically, what we get from FIFA in a non-World Cup year is the four letters on the front of the box in a world where most people don't even see the box anymore because they buy the game digitally. In a World Cup year, of course, we get access to World Cup, but this is the in the broader context of global football on an annualized basis. The World Cup is important, but it's not the most important. We have 300 other licenses that give us the content that our players engage with the most and the most deeply. End quote. Wilson went on to detail ways in which he believes EA's football games could benefit from ex- existing outside of restrictions imposed by the terms of the FIFA license. Quote, as we've looked into the future, we want to grow the franchise. And ironically, the FIFA license has actually been an, imp- an impediment to that, he said. Our players tell us they want more cultural and commercial brands relevant to the Uh, to them in their markets, more deeply embedded in the game, brands like Nike. But because FIFA has a relationship with Adidas, we are not able to do that. He continued, Our players tell us that they want more modes to play, different things beyond 11v11, and different types of gameplay. I would tell you, it's been a fight to get FIFA to acknowledge that these types of things and when we want to create them, because they say that our license only covers certain categories. Our players want us to expand into digital ecosystems more broadly. Our fans are telling us that they want to go and participate in that space. Our FIFA license has actually precluded us from doing that kind of stuff. Again, FIFA is just the name on the box, but they they precluded our ability to be able to branch into other areas that players want. Lastly, the executive claimed that FIFA license was also stopping EA from being as agile as they would like it to be with adding new features, saying, quote, our players are telling us that they want us to move more quick. We want you to do guys do stuff faster. And in order to do that, we need the level. We need a level of freedom that and to be truly creative, innovative and experimental in the marketplace because of the nature of this of the approval timetable with various things around the FIFA license, that's actually been really hard and we're moving much slower than we want to. Wilson claimed that they're meeting in the meeting that they had communicated all of his concerns directly with FIFA. Quote, I had a conversation with the FIFA president, Gianni Infantino, just a couple of weeks ago where he said, where I said, listen, the money's a thing. We don't want to pay more than this license is worth. But it's not about that. It's really about our ability to deliver games and experiences that our fans want in a timely fashion. Although this year's end quote, although this year's football game will carry the FIFA name, EA CEO said that he wasn't convinced the company would be able to agree on terms to extend the relationship. Quote, at the end of the day, I don't know what we're get, if we're going to get there. And ironically, if we don't and we're able to rebrand the game and take control of the global football ecosystem that we're going to build, ironically, we'll probably generate more revenue and have more fans and have more engagement over time because we'll be able to work more with our partners. We'll be able to build more players and modes. We'll be able to expand more deeply and broadly into the digital ecosystems around the fabric of football. And more than anything, we'll be able to move really, really, really fast. We're going to work through this and we're going to thought we're going to be thoughtful and we want to have good partners with FIFA. But I wouldn't be surprised if we ultimately move in a different direction. At the end of the day, I think that might even be better for our games than continuing with those four letters on the box. Now, in a public statement released in October, EA implied that it could cut ties with FIFA and it would still retain all of its other leagues, players, stadiums, licensing, and those deals in a, because those deals are arranged separately. FIFA fired back a month later in a statement of its own in which it suggested that it was 
open to working with new video game companies. It also emerged that EA had filed multiple trademark applications for, quote, EA Sports FC, which could potentially be the new name for its football franchise should it choose to rebrand this series. So thank you for bearing with me. I know that was a really long read, but I hope you see, especially if you're remotely interested in the story, it's all pretty pertinent information to what's going on here. It is absolutely astonishing what's happening here because, you know, we're within a week of learning that Activision is reportedly finally going to give Call of Duty a year off and give it a break. And FIFA, we're now hearing that EA is thinking about dropping FIFA branding from from their, their popular soccer game. These are like the most popular, like the most popular games in the world are like Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, FIFA, Madden, 2K, basically. You know, in a nutshell, at least here in the U.S. and around or in, or in the Western world, I should say. These are by far the biggest games. And we're about to see EA potentially make one of the ballsiest and most risky decisions they could, you know, possibly take getting rid of the FIFA license altogether. Now, there's many reasons why I think this is actually kind of a good idea. Obviously, the FIFA brand's been under fire um, lately. The, the organization's not really seen in a good light for a lot of reasons. Um, so there's that. But I think also this comes down to, you know, I, Andrew Wilson says, it's really not about, I mean, money's a factor, but it's really not about the money. It's about whatever. It's all about the money in some way or another. But he he makes a good point, which is that, you know, you think about the FIFA brand name, right? And the, the word FIFA, basically, I'll, I'll be honest, as someone who doesn't follow soccer, but does follow gaming, if someone says FIFA, I don't think of, oh, that's the organization, that's like the football organization, you know, that's that's whatever, that's like the official thing for soccer. I think of the video game FIFA, and I'm willing to bet you most people feel that way, where FIFA evokes the thought of a video game more than it evokes the thought of a, a league of, of, of a professional sport. And that is both a good thing and a bad thing, which means that in a way the FIFA brand isn't as important because the game matters more than the name. But in another way, it absolutely matters because the game has become so prominent, so prominent, so pervasive, so popular that it has redefined what that brand means for a lot of people. And the thing is, no doubt, if they choose to go the route of not re-upping this license, not paying the $2.5 billion for this license over the next decade, they'll save a lot of money up front, but they will lose a lot. They'll, they'll lose players and they will confuse a huge portion of their player base immediately. Because if you're someone who's been playing FIFA all your goddamn life, if you're one of those people that's like, oh, I buy Call of Duty every couple of years, I buy Grand Theft Auto, and I buy FIFA. Those are my games. I play those three games. Nothing else exists. What, Crossfire X who? You know, if you're one of those people, this is this can be confusing for you because you're like, wait a minute. I play FIFA every year. Where's FIFA? I went to the I went to the store and all I see is EA Soccer FC whatever. What do they call it? They call it um, EA Sports FC, which I think is a fine name. It's It's not great. It's not bad. I think obviously you confuse a lot of people and it's going to take time for people to realize, oh, this is actually that, that FIFA game I used to love that they stopped making. This is actually it. They just changed the name. Eventually, I think people will catch on as long as your game continues to be great, continues to be of a similar quality. 
to what FIFA was because people will play it and word will spread and eventually the the market will be educated on what's happened here. But that's not without first confusing and fucking up a lot of things. Let's say, you know, this year we get our last FIFA and then next year we get EA Sports FC. You're, you're going to see next year's FIFA or next year's soccer game from EA struggle in a way we've never seen FIFA struggle because that's going to be different for people. And then eventually I think you make it back and it might even be a worthy investment because like they said, without the limitations brought on by FIFA, they're able to do things they want to do faster. They're able to invade. Listen, I love the idea of like, let's say they want to have like wacky, fun, arcadey modes, but they can't do it because FIFA won't let them. Without that license, they can add extra content, new modes, new ways to play the game and dick around the game and enjoy the game in ways that make it more appealing to lapsed players or veteran players or new players. And it makes it a better game all around for everyone. That's good stuff. You want that. That's a net benefit. You know, you think about how, you know, once people finally get adjusted to the fact that the name has changed, it's the same game with a new name in the long run, you're saving money because of that licensing issue. So it's a gamble. It's not a guarantee, but if it works out in the long run, that saves you money. And then, but then you also run the risk of now competitors have the opportunity to swoop in and get that FIFA license because FIFA says themselves, you know, we're open to working with other companies. You know, if EA is going to think about dropping us, we're going to think about working with competitors. And we know Konami has that pro evolution soccer game or whatever that came out last year and didn't do that well, but was a free to play soccer game. And, you know, got a lot of attention despite not being received very well. And, you know, this could be an opportunity for them to fix that game where it's broken and then work with FIFA to get the license and then they could rename that FIFA. And then you have an issue there where, you know, maybe EA has the superior game, the game that people have played for a lot longer and liked a lot longer than Konami's game, but it's called EA Sports FC and people are like, I don't know what the fuck that is, but Konami has this game that used to be called Pro Evolution Soccer, but to most people who don't know that stuff because they're not nerds who follow the games industry, they're just like, hey, that game says Pro FIFA Pro Evolution Soccer. I guess FIFA kind of changed the name, of the, whatever. And then they'll go and buy that game. And then they'll be like, what the fuck is this? This isn't like FIFA. This is different. You know, assuming that that game is inferior to FIFA, which is, as of now, seems to be the general consensus. So you run this risk of inadvertently hurting your brand because you drop, you know, if you drop FIFA and then someone else gets FIFA and they use that brand to make an inferior game and then people buy that game, confusing it for the FIFA they used to play, which is actually your game, EA Sports FC, you could potentially inadvertently hurt your own brand by drawing people to a competitor's product, that competitor's probably being inferior to yours and then confusing them into thinking that your product sucks now. That's a possibility. So there's a lot of ways this can go wrong. It's all hypotheticals, and it's a huge gamble for EA. But I think ultimately this is this is a good idea. They talk about how you know the FIFA name helps and in, in during World Cup years. I think World Cup is every two or four years. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a soccer guy, but you know, like that's eh. You know, it's like build a better product, and I think I think you'll be fine. It's just you got to find a way. To try and market this in a way, because you can't use FIFA anymore if you if you stop working with them, but try to find a really clever way to let people know in your marketing strategy, you know, beginning when this change is made, that like, hey, FIFA is now EA Sports FC, and if you can find a really clever way to market that and market it hard, and you can because you're one of the biggest games in the world, you got to do that. But 
at the end of the day, they're able to retain their players and their stadiums and get new brands and retain other brands they use and all these things. That's all benefits. Those are all more money to be made. That's all more money to be given out, more ways to innovate on the game and, and develop in ways that longstanding players will love. I, I think this is an incredibly risky move, and if it pays off, it's going to be the best thing that ever happened for EA in this game. Much like I think, you know, obviously for Activision to just be like, yeah, we're going to not release a Call of Duty in 2023. You know, a game that would normally sell like 15, 20 million copies in a year. We're just not going to put one out that year. That's risky. That's a lot of money on the table. But, you know, if Call of Duty fucks off for a year, maybe that makes the next Call of Duty sell 30, 40 million copies instead of 15, 20 in its first year. Because you're building up that demand and, and exciting people and getting them ready for Call of Duty again. Who knows? To get all of this shit is a gamble right now, but it is so exciting to see this stuff happening because these are just moves we would have never thought we'd see. And just like the consolidation of the industry and Microsoft buying Activision, it's just like, what is happening right now? It's it's crazy and it's unpredictable and it's a lot of fun. So we'll keep our eyes peeled on that. I know not a lot of you are probably sports gamers because a lot of hardcore gamers are usually like fuck sports. I don't I don't play sport games. But, you know, I know a lot of you guys do like sports as well. There's, I mean, FIFA's such a fucking crazy popular game. There's no way at least half of you guys haven't played a FIFA game probably before. But uh, anyway, that's going to do it for all of our main news. Now let's jump into our... Oh, actually, no, no, no. I, I got a little ahead of myself. We have one more. But this is just an update on Game Pass. These are from Xbox Wire. Games come and leave in Game Pass. So let's round out with this before we jump into the rest of the show. So... Available today, available now, Far Changing Tides is now on Game Pass, as well as Microsoft Flight Simulator via Cloud. So both of those games are now available either for the first time or in new capacity. But coming soon to Game Pass, this is in the coming days, on March 3rd, so the day you're listening to this, Lightning Returns Final Fantasy, sorry, Final Fantasy 13 comes to console and PC, which is funny because I think Final Fantasy 13 regular is gone now, so fuck you. On March 10th, we're getting Kentucky Route Zero on cloud console and PC. It's a very well-regarded game. I need to give that one a try. Lawn Mowing Simulator is coming to Xbox One. And Marvel's Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy is coming to cloud console and PC on March 10th, like we, like we said. As well as Young Souls, cloud console and PC. So Marvel's Avengers, that's the biggest one there, of course. Again, another one of those, like, wow, Outriders, wow, Marvel's Avengers, wow, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, all these games, Game Pass pretty soon after or day of. It says a lot about where Square Enix, what Square Enix thinks about these games. And it's a little bit of, uh, I think they're kind of doing themselves a disservice because if you keep this up, you are going to train your audience that you're going to make a game, release it, sell it for six months, and then put it into Game Pass. And that is not something you want to do. I was already trained that way a little bit because I played Shadow of the Tomb Raider through Game Pass. I wanted to play Marvel's Avengers through Game Pass, but didn't because uh, I just couldn't even bother to play it. Uh, I played Outriders through Game Pass, and I was going to wait for Guardians of the Galaxy to come to Game Pass because I thought it was an inevitability, and I guess I was right. The only reason I played it sooner was because someone got it for me as a as a Christmas gift. So, again... You're, if you keep this up, like you can do this if you want, but you got to be smart about it, Square Enix, because if you keep this up, you are going to train your audience into thinking, don't buy Square Enix games on Xbox. They come to Game Pass six months later or day and date. It's, it's not a good, you got you got to be careful about that because you, you can, you know, 
The only publisher where people should feel like guaranteed that's the case is if it's an Xbox Game Studios game. Other than that, gotta be careful. We also got a couple games leaving Game Pass. So on March 15th, we're leave we're losing Near Automata on console, Cloud and PC, Fogs on Cloud and Console PC. Tell my girlfriend she loved that game. Torchlight 3 on Cloud Console and PC. And finally, The Surge 2 on Cloud Console and PC. Those are some notable games too. Most of them are well. Now that's going to do it for all of our main news. Now we get to jump into the important enough news. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not quite important enough to warrant their own discussion, of which we have yeah, four. Let's get into them real quick. VGC reports Bethesda have announced they're closing their PC launcher and moving all their games over to Steam. Starting in early April, players will be able to to migrate their games and their wallet to a Steam account with instructions on how to do so set to be published at that time. In FAQ, Bethesda said that the purchases will carry over to Steam account and that many games will have save file transfers, but some will require manual copying like Wolfenstein Youngblood. So stay tuned for more information on that. Obviously, that is probably you know a response to Bethesda now being part of Xbox. The Xbox doesn't need a redundancy and launchers and things like that. So get rid of the Bethesda launcher. You already have an Xbox app, and then Xbox already supported through Steam. So just you know, use those two apps, and everything else can fuck off. The thing I'm most interested to see is: Are we going to see in a couple of years where BattleNet shuts down? Because that is like an OG game launcher, game client on PC. You know, that's how people played StarCraft and Warcraft back in the day. You know, nowadays you get, we used to have Destiny on there. Nowadays we got a Call of Duty and stuff on there. So that would be insane to see Battle.net just, um, just go away. But I wonder if that's inevitable as well. And then, hey, we'll see. Probably see all those games go into the Xbox app. Next up, Windows, Windows Central reports. This is kind of crazy. Knockout City is approaching its second year of existence. And the passion team behind the game have big plans for how the game's evolving. Last week, on Thursday, VLAN Studios revealed what's coming to Knockout City in the future, and it looks like some interesting stuff. With Season 6 kicking off Year 2, Knockout City is officially going free-to-play and dropping its price tag altogether. With the move, the team is aiming to make the game more approachable and invite new players for the first time. In other news, VLAN Studios has announced it's officially becoming independent of EA Originals, which helped publish the game on all platforms in the beginning. VLAN Studios will also change, will also be in charge of Knockout City's publishing and intends to work more closely and wide with the community moving forward until Season 6 begins. Players will still need, still need an EA account to play the game. Next, Windows Central also reports that in a press release released earlier this week, Netflix confirmed that's acquiring Next Games, a Finnish mobile studio. Shareholders are slated to receive 2.1 euro in cash per sale for a total of 65 million euro, or roughly 72 million dollars. The deal is currently scheduled to close sometime in the second quarter of this year. And finally, VGC reports that Pac-Man Museum Plus, a 14-game compilation that unites all games. Uh, from across history of the Pac-Man series will release in May and is coming to Xbox Game Pass day one. The collection will be releasing spe- more specifically on May 27th. So that's exciting. I, I actually am pretty interested in checking that out. All right, guys, that's going to do it for all of our news this week. Now, remember, there are new games launching, as there always are every week. So let's jump through those, point out the notable ones. Maybe uh, a game or two, you'll be like, "Ooh, I got to play that. Conan Chop Chop is coming March 1st. That Nope, that's not the game we're talking about. Little Orpheus, March 1st. Eh, that's pretty. Shadow Warrior 3 is coming March 1st. It's not included in Game Pass, but it is included in PlayStation Now. So 
keep the eyes peeled for a more vigilant Sony, a more a more competitive Sony. But also Shadow Warrior Three, it looks fucking awesome. It literally looks like the Doom Eternal of Shadow Warrior. So much crazier than Shadow Warrior Two and One looks. So really love how ridiculous they're getting with that game. Now, Far Changing Tides is out March first. You can get that. It's a smart delivery game. Game Pass, all that shit. Elix Two, March first, smart delivery game. There's a man holding a futuristic rifle shooting a monkey. So what the fuck is that? Thirty-five millimeter. March 2nd, it's coming to Xbox One X Enhanced Platforms, and it's uh, also Farm Manager 2022 coming March 3rd. Gotta farm those crops. Use a Gracer Ultimate March 4th, Xbox One X Enhanced. Looks cool. Actually, this game looks really cool. Visually striking. Awesome. Reminds me of Tron. I love Tron. When's the Tron roller coaster opening at Disney World? A musical story, March 4th, optimized for Series X, optimized for Series S. I don't know how that's possible, but it is smart delivery. And then Ryan's Rescue Squad. Yes, this is the Ryan from YouTube. March 4th, optimized for Series X and S, smart delivery. God, someone put that poor kid out of his misery. Legends of Estonia, whatever, whatever, fuck it. The game comes out March 4th. It's one of those Japanese role-playing looking games. Who knows who made it? Who knows why? And then Gunborg Dark Matters comes out March 4th. Looks kind of cool. Like a little cyberpunk futuristic 2D action game. And then What Lies in the Multiverse comes out March 4th. And that actually sounds cool. It's a story-driven 2D adventure game. A little 8-bit kind of art style. Uh, dramatic comedy. Filled with hilarious cartoonish hijinks. Narrative also presents players with mature and deep themes like death, envy, and obsession. I'm actually kind of interested in that game. So, huh. All right, that's going to do it for all the new game releases of the week, guys. It's a new month, and with that new month comes new games of gold. And, oh, yeah, it's always disappointing, but here's what you're getting. For the entire month, you can get the Flame of the Flood, $20 value, absolutely included in your in your games of gold, in your ga- gold subscription. Fuck me. Uh, Street Power Soccer, speaking of soccer, uh, this is what's going to happen at FIFA if they drop the FIFA brand. Available from March 16th to April 15th, this is a game. Sacred 2 Fallen Angel, available March 1 through 15. This is a 360 game that I recognize the box art of, but I've never played and I don't know much about it. And then finally, SpongeBob's Truth or Square, a Xbox 360 classic, will be available the latter half of March, beginning on the 16th. So be sure to download it because, you know, like they say, be there or be square. So ha, 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 funny guy. Guys, that's going to do it for our podcast this week. Remember, as always, guys, I appreciate the support. Please head on over to iTunes or Spotify and leave a five-star review. Subscribe. Share the show with a friend. Whatever. Just help the show grow. Subscribe on YouTube, Xbox on Podcast. That helps a lot. We're trying to hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. And then follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Twitch. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jesse DeRosa. I'm on Twitch at Lightning Extreme. Working on new YouTube videos right now. Excited about some future projects. Just been very distracted with some work stuff and with being out of town. But now I'm back, baby. I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm here to play games. I'm here to talk about games. I'm here to make videos about games. I'm here to not make video games themselves because that's out of my wheelhouse. But guys, I'm back, baby. And I'm excited to be here. So thank you all so much for your time. And until next week, gamers, please allow Count Scott Illa to play us out. How are your dreams? <laughs>